This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. In Jesus' name, amen. Not your best shout ever. Oh, that's a good shout. Sounded like you got an extra hour of sleep. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord of Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms We are uni- because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in, in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us, uh, or he has, he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is his plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, Because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Amen. Come on, give God a hand. Thank you, Ryan. You may be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. It's good to have the Protzman family all the way from California on the front row today. So thank them. Great friends of our family. They flew in for my daughter Sophia's wedding yesterday. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Down to $2. But I appreciate it. Thank you for everybody who came, everybody who prayed. Robin sends her love today. She was up there still packing everything together and cleaning up, and so she just sends her love. So thank you. Uh, keep Joey and Sophia in your prayers. They're on their honeymoon, and they're starting their life together. And we appreciate you being part of that journey with us. Here's what I'm talking about. Who am I? It came from years and years of following Jesus and hearing the things of you just need to know your purpose and you better know your purpose. And then you're 22 years old going, I have no idea what my purpose is. I need to know my purpose. And if by 25 you hadn't figured out your purpose, you feel pretty hopeless and And then through the journey of Jesus, of always hearing this when life is broken and things don't go well, and this is the thought, you just need to know who you are in Christ. And though I believe that is true, and I believe that thought is true, that who you are in Christ is an important thing to do, it made me think, I don't even know what it means. 
I have no idea. I mean, I, I think I know what it means, but I don't. And, and it began to kind of wonder, well, if, if who I am in Christ, it's, you know, I'm supposed to be free. I'm supposed to not have addictions. I shouldn't be lonely, but I am. I shouldn't be broke because he's my provision. I shouldn't be sick. He's my healing. I shouldn't be hopeless. He's my hope. So all this in Christ stuff just really doesn't even make sense of trying to figure it out, trying to understand it, trying to make sense of it. Because what I am in Christ versus what I am in reality, it just was too much. So I spent years trying to figure it out. And now from now until Christmas, we're just going to dig it out together. Let's jump in, see what Ryan read. And I hope what I share with you today gives you some insight on what it means for your life to be in Christ. Here's where we started last week. We pick it up again. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. And then this was the challenge where we started the journey last week, even before He made the world. He loved you and He chose you in Christ. In Christ is not who you are right now, who you're meant to be right now in Christ is who you were before you ever existed. And I know that's challenging, but when we serve an eternal God who's eternal, who's not bound by time, He was here before time ever existed, here before the world ever existed, He said, even before the world was ever made, you were already chosen. And that is, that you know, as I said last week, it just really throws you for a loop and stumps you that I was known before I ever existed. If you were known before you were ever existed, then whatever God knew about you before you existed should never be hindered when you do exist. Here's what it goes on to say to show you how powerful of what was going on before you showed up. Salvation isn't a reward for the good things we've done. None of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. It means work of art. It means that God in some eternal past, before there was a world, before there was an earth, before there was an Adam, before there was an Eve, there was this eternal world where God is creating a masterpiece and looking at my life and drawing my life and the beauty of my life. And then it even says that masterpiece was done in Christ and it was planned long ago. So that the Mark Evans you see right now should not be affected by the circumstances I live in right now because before ever I even had a right now, I existed in the mind of God as a masterpiece of what God could do with my life. So this is that was all last week, and so now we jump into this week, and here's the question. If God knew me before I ever existed, then how could He let me be born into the hell where I exist? I think, my opinion, it's probably the fairest questions humans can ask. If God is so good, if God is so incredible, you all say if He's a good God, you say He's a kind God. Well, if He's so good and kind, I need somebody to tell me how He let me be born into the hell I was born in. And if you're telling me last week he was painting a masterpiece of me before he ever knew me, before there was ever a world, an Adam or an Eve, a mother and a father, and then me, there was God painting this masterpiece where he's looking across time and sees me, and you call me a masterpiece. Well, if that is true, I think this is a fair question. 
How could God call me a masterpiece when the family he let me be born into molested me? How could God call me a masterpiece when my dad molested me at eight years old? How could God call me a masterpiece when I was born into a family that didn't even want me and they gave me up for adoption and I don't even know who my parents are? How can you tell me God is good if he was so good and he painted this little masterpiece of Mark then how in God's name did that good God put me in this hellhole of life where I've been abused, I've been abandoned. He put me in a home where my father beat my mother, nearly killed her, left me, and I grew up without a father and I grew up with an abused mother. And you tell me I'm a masterpiece? You tell me God's up there painting this masterpiece of me and He's putting it all together and He's painting my life. And then He just has this moment of, you know what, I just think I'm going to take this masterpiece and just chunk it down into the middle of that God-forsaken home. Put you in a home. Your daddy's a crack addict. Your mother's a meth addict. We'll put you right in the middle. You're going to be raised by a bunch of addicts. You're going to grow up in a whore hotel where your parents are out there earning a living on the streets. You're going to grow up, you won't even know your father because your father's going to be addicted. He's going to waste all your money. Oh, but by the way, sweetheart, you're my masterpiece. And it's fair. It's a question that all humans ask. If God is so good, then why? Why did he put me? I'm not talking about all the evil. Why, why did he let me be born into this? Why did you get the good life? Why did you get a mother and a father? I didn't get a mother and a father. Why were you born on the right side of the tracks and I wasn't? Why did you have all the opportunities to succeed? Nobody ever even gave me those opportunities. It's what we fight for in politics and social justice, thinking that politics will answer those questions for us. Or if we get the right set of leaders in, that America is going to be the place where all the broken and hurting and bring me your poor and bring me your broken and you can rise to the American dream. And I'm thinking God's up there like, y'all stole my idea. This is what I could do all alone. How could God put me in this hellhole? This hellhole of life down here. And now I'm supposed to come to church and sing, you're a good, good father? If you're so good, then I need you to tell me why I was born into this junk. Why my parents gave me up. Why I don't even know who they are. Why my dad left my mom. Can't you give me a better home? I don't even know what that's like to have a mother and a father in the same home. There was a young girl in my church years ago who's parents uh, decided her mother I guess decided she didn't want her nobody knew who her mother was and you know what they did with her when she was born just let you know how good God is this God of a masterpiece is drawing a masterpiece of Lee the God that's drawing the masterpiece of Lee's life as he's up there in the eternal realm before Lee ever exists and he's drawing this thing of Lee you know where Lee went Lee went right into the arms of a woman who didn't want her and do you know where Lee's life went when the woman didn't want her? In the dumpster. And do you know where they discovered the baby that was Lee? They discovered Lee in a dumpster. Nobody wanted her. And Lee grows up a dumpster baby. And a little lady named Betty adopts Lee. And Lee comes to know Christ and Lee's life is changed and I met Lee on the change side of life. But why God? If you knew that she was going to be thrown in a dumpster, why, why would you do it? Because it seems like it's such a 
uh, you know, like a, an unfair, like some of us have good families. So I came from a good family. I came from a dad that loved me, was always there, a mom that loved me, a good family. He had a job, we had a house, I always had clothes, there was always food on the table. I guess I got lucky. The other side of the corn is somebody else said, well, I never had that. My dad was never there. We, we, we barely could even put food on the table. And yet we both came from an eternal realm where we're masterpieces. I understand masterpiece if I was born into a good family, but not a bad one. Or a good life, but, but not a bad one. Now the reason this doesn't make sense, and we definitely have to ask the question is because we view it from a human standpoint. That some people get lucky and have a better life, and some aren't so lucky, and we hope they can eat through life and make, we'll even say it, and make something of themselves. Rise up out of the ashes and become something incredible, and then we clap for you. Like I'm not talking about the potential of you to rise up out of the ashes. I'm talking about a God that's painting a masterpiece and put me in the ashes. That's my concern. Not can you suck it up and get an education and come out of the poverty and out of the hell hole and in your own ability achieve that. I'm talking about before you ever existed, you were a masterpiece and you got birthed into a mess. And it seems unfair. But if we flip the script and we don't think like humans but we think like God, here's the scripture. Well then, should we conclude that Jews are better than Gentiles or others? No, not at all. We've already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. And as scriptures say, there's no one righteous, not even one. No one is wise. No one truly seeks God. All have turned away. All have become useless. Nobody's good. Not a single human. There's no good humans from God's perspective. So when God looks down across humanity, He goes, you're all worthless. There's none of you any good. We're down here going, oh, your daddy's a doctor, a good life. Oh, man, your mom's a crack core, bad life. Oh, good. God looks at all of you and goes, doctor, not. You're all no good. It's not like one of you got more lucky than the other. The very fact you're on the planet with people who don't even seek me, don't want me, there's not one good one among you. And so really, if we look at it from God's perspective, it's not like God's up there. I mean, think this through, really. Just think it through. All right. I need number... 22, 12, 19. 22, 12. All right, get little baby 22, 12, 19. Oh, little baby 22, 12, 19 right there. All right, now what you're going to go do is we're going to give 22, 12, 19. It's going to be born to the meth addict right here. Good luck. All right, bring me 22, 19. Oh, 22, 19. You're going to have a good life down there because your parents are going to be educated and go to college and have money and you'll never lack a thing. Do you really believe that's how it's going? Do you really believe God's just picking babies off of shelves and giving some to a cracked family and abusers and molesters and adulterers and brokenness and orphanages and foster care and then the rest of us are lucky? Like that's how he does it? When he's really looking up there going, none of you are any good. Why do you think you're good? You're... 
None of you. So if none of us are good, he ought to just take a little thing off the scale and go, forget it. None of you will ever be a masterpiece. None of you are worthwhile. You're useless. Look at that. You've all turned away. You're useless. And no one is good. Not even a single one of you. That, that's just mind-blowing that we think we're down here and when we think we're down here, here's my thought as I read that and I'm trying to parse through what does it mean to be in Christ because I've got the masterpiece but I'm born into a mess. Being born into a good home or a good life is more of a Vegas crapshoot with odds that really aren't even in your favor. It's 50-50. David's 50-50 that you're going to be born into a good family. Levinson, 50-50, buddy. You might get a good one, you might get a bad one, who knows? Abby, 50-50, honey. Because nobody asked you, did they? Nobody gave you a phone call and said, do you want to be born to the Blazic family? Nobody asked you where you wanted to be born. Nobody came to you and said to you, Johnny, hey, I'm going to birth you. Hey, where would you like to live? What would you like to do? What kind of family would you like to have in your life, Johnny? Diane, I, I really, you're my masterpiece, but before I send you to earth, let's chat about the kind of family you would like. And let's chat about where you want to live. I would dare say, if we were in the eternal realm, I'm guessing here, and God said to us in the eternal realm before it says, where would y'all like to live? Not a dad blame one of you would have picked Douglasville. There wouldn't even be, we wouldn't even be here. There wouldn't be a redneck among us. We'd all be in Cancun on the beach, man. It's like. So it's not like he looked at Diane and said, Now, honey, before in my divine mind, tell me where you would like to live. What kind of parents do you want? What do you want your personality to be? You want to be tall, skinny? You want to have curly hair, straight hair? Because if we would have done that and said, I just want to live on the beach with with curly hair. And God would say, all right, beach it is with curly hair. Boom. As soon as you had gotten down there, because none of you are good, you'd have been, well, I don't even like this beach. I wanted white sand. I got seashells. Oh, God, I hate my curly hair. I wish it was straight. And God would have been up there going, oh, man, <laughs> like erasing your masterpiece. Because none of us would have made up our mind. So before you ever existed, he's painting the beauty of the masterpiece of your life. And rather than him picking you off a shelf and giving some of you to bad people and some of you to good people, and it's kind of like a luck because nobody called, nobody asked, nobody voted, I just got burped out. June Evans did not call the eternal throne and said, hey, I'd like another boy. If I'd have been born first, she'd only had one. I'd like a little boy. Would you? What kind of boy would you like? Well, I'd like one that's quiet, just sits in a corner, never busy, just kind of like his daddy, never says much. And God says, I'm out of all those, June. I've only got a kid that's ADHD and running all over the place and won't sit still. As a matter of fact, if I give him to you, you won't eat in a restaurant for nine years. <laughs> Is that not true? <laughs> it didn't go out for nine years. Why? I ain't sitting still. 
right? Put me in a crib. I need out of here. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> but I mean, if we really think about it, you, you could say to me, well, Mark got a good life. His mom and dad married 62 years. I'm, I'm 56. I've never heard my father say a cuss word. I'm 56. I've never seen him lose his temper. I've never seen him yell at my mother. He may have. I've never seen him. He's always followed God. He, he always taught me about God. This is weird. I know this is going to sound really weird. I have never heard my earthly father ever speak evil about one person. Ever. Now you could say to me, man, you got the good life, man. You, Oh, man, God really favored you. Until you asked Gene, well, Gene, tell me where you came from. And he says, well, my father was poverty stricken and he was an alcoholic and couldn't hold down a job. And I had to pick cotton eight to ten hours a day to make a quarter. And I wasn't raised in church. I was raised in a broken home on a farm, dirt poor. Oh, good, so yeah, you're hopeless. Until Gene Evans meets Christ. And when Gene Evans meets Christ, the broken, hopeless, alcoholic situation that he had been born into is now different. So let's not dare pretend that God ripped you off by giving you a bad family. Everybody in the room in Christ has equal odds to come out of the crapshoot depending on what you choose to believe. So it's not God's fault that he's up there dishing 50 here, 50 there, good life, bad life, good life. And then all of us that got a good life saying, he's a good, good father. And all of us that don't are crying at the altar going, I just don't know how to identify with him as a father. I've never had a father. And he's like, oh, I just messed up. I should have just given you all good lives. But he's like, I can't because none of you are good. So if you get a good life, it's the fact, watch, it's the fact that either you got born lucky or somebody chose God and you got born up into God. Or they didn't choose God and you got born up into the hell and found God later. But the beauty of it is this. Watch. This is where it makes your head hurt. That Maybe it's not so much about God picking where you were born. But the choices made before you ever got here. Here's where you came from. You came from two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, 16 great-great-grandparents, 32 third-great-parents, 64 fourth-great-parents, 128 fifth-great-grandparents, 256 sixth-great-grandparents, 512 seventh-generation great-grandparents, 1,024 eighth-generation great-grandparents, 2,048 ninth-generation great-grandparents, and if I could have fixed it on the screen, 4,096 tenth-generation of great-grandparents. You are, the, you are the sum choice of 2,048 people that existed before you ever got here. Don't you dare tell me that every one of those people were good people. 
If you got up to the two and they were good, you either got lucky or somebody along the way found Christ. That's your only two options. If the two you were born to kept you, loved you, honored you, raised you, you either got really lucky with odds or those two people met Christ and lived a different life and you got born into it. Or if you got rejected and your parents didn't even want you but somebody else stepped in and became that for you. It's not that God is dishing out good homes and bad homes. We are the product of broken people. In these 2,048 people that you've never met, I'm sure there were alcoholics, pornography was rampant. I'm sure there was adulterers and liars and cheaters. And, and Now, this would take us back to the early 1700s. If we just took all these great-grandparents, we're back to the beyond the 1700s. It's about 400 years, so we're in the 1500s. Columbus ain't even hardly got here yet. And you think when they're out there in the Viking era drinking whiskey, arg, with a little hook on their hand, and God's up there going, oh, my Lord, he's going to be born into them Viking people. What am I going to do now? Your great-great-granddaddy's standing on the front of a ship, half drunk, buck naked, holding a sword. I'll kill every last one of yarg. And God's like, well, nothing I can do now. Might as well not even let Gene come. Your eighth generation grandparents messed up, so God just took you off the easel and said, well, whew, those eight generation people in his life were a mess. And he just erased your existence. No. Because your masterpiece is not based on 2,048 people. Your masterpiece is based on his faithfulness. So that God can call you a masterpiece and work through every generation because he's not counting on the faithfulness of Ma and Paul. He's counting on his own faithfulness. Now if your parents picked him or your grandparents picked him or your great-grandparents, you probably could have had a better life because they served God and they lived for him and they chose him and they did life his way. But most don't. He even told us, most don't even seek me. Here's what's weird. I'm going to use the word luck. Doesn't mean I believe in it. But if you're in a church today, serving God today, sitting next to somebody you love today, and your mom and dad is here with you, you're either lucky or they chose God and you got blessed. Because it's not the norm for the world. They don't sit on a seat with their arm wrapped around their wife. They're screaming in divorce courts. They don't sit here and go, let's go listen to some pudgy dude talk about God. They're in a meth house trying to find the next hit. They hadn't had sex in years. It's not because they don't want it. It's because they're so addicted to pornography they can't even find intimacy anymore. Broken people. They murder. They steal. They lie. They rape. They molest. They 
are angry. They'll cuss you out in a heartbeat. They'll ignore you. So if you're here today, you either got really lucky in the scheme of life or somebody in your generations led you to Christ. And you're now blessed because of it. So let's look at this thought. We're all a product of humanity, 2,048 people. I'm sure they made good choices and bad choices. I'm sure some of our great, 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 great grandparents were like, dude, they were a handful. And when all of those odds are against you, it does seem so unfair that God let it go that way. And so I go back to what I said. It does often feel like if I just look at my life, it feels unfair that God let this happen to me. Good. I'll give it to you. You win the argument until we go back to the painting. Because the painting is who you are in Christ. Let's read a scripture. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So, before we throw God under the bus that I got the raw end of the stick, the bad parents, the bad life, odds in my favor were not good, let's go back to the eternal realm to my portrait. Okay. Hey, uh, hey, God, what are you drawing? Ah, just masterpiece. Yeah, but I mean, what is it? I've never seen that before. I mean, you told me about the dude Mark over here. I, I catch him, but who's, who's this? Uh, well, you know, up here, how we, we have the word. Oh yeah, the word. Yeah, I know him. Okay, well, this is the word in flesh. This is, this is, this, actually, you probably don't know this yet, because you're, you're just an angel. This is Christ, who will be my only begotten son. You're drawing your kid? Yeah, that's my kid. That's, that's what he's going to look like. It, it's kind of tan. Yeah. So like, like where, where's he going to live? Like, I mean, does he get to pick? Surely, surely if he's, if he's going to go into the flesh, I mean, oh, this is great. Like, hey, man, let's all take odds on where, where he's going to go. Oh, I don't know, man. I'd probably go to Hawaii, although Hawaii doesn't exist yet, but it could. So where are you going to send your kid? Well, uh, it's kind of weird, but I'm going to, I know, it's going to be hard for you all to get because you're angels, I'm going to let a 15-year-old who's not married raise him. What? Wait a minute. You're going to take your only kid and give your only kid to a 15-year-old who's never been married, who's never had sex? Are you out of your mind? Uh, no. Not at all. Well, I mean, when are you going to send them? Yeah, at the perfect time. Where are you going to send him? I mean, surely somewhere good. Yeah, the Middle East. The Middle East? Well, when are you going to send him to the Middle East? Um, I don't know, like 30, 
30 A.D., somewhere in there, A.D. What's A.D.? You'll get it later. You mean there's not even going to be any air conditioning? You're sending your only son to the Middle East with no air conditioning? In a time before there's YouTube and Instagram and Twitter? Yeah, man, there's going to be nothing there. Just camels and hot. And they won't even have to worry about clothes. They'll just all wear robes and tunics. That doesn't seem like much of a masterpiece. Your kid in the Middle East with no air conditioning, no social media, born to a 15-year-old who's never had sex and he'll hardly even know his father. Well, surely he's going to be born rich. No, he won't won't be born rich. That's, That's not really my plan. Well, surely he'll be born in a good family, like a good hotel. No, I was thinking more. I'm just going to let him be born in a barn. A barn? Your only kid born in a barn in the Middle East with no air conditioning to a 15-year-old? Yeah, that's my masterpiece. How could that be a masterpiece? I don't even understand. What are you thinking? Well, it's not like I'm thinking. Like, is he going to have a good life? It depends on what you call good. I mean, is he going to have a house? Is he going to have money? Is he going to... Well, yes and no. Like, he'll have a house, but he really won't be there a lot. He'll always, he's going to travel. He's going to love traveling. He'll have a wife and kids, won't he? Yeah, yeah, no. He, he, he won't know the joy of having a wife or children. Well, how are you going to have any kids if, grandkids, if you mean to tell me you're sending your only kid and he's never even going to know what it's like to fall in love? He'll never know what it's like to marry a woman and have an intimate relationship with her and birth children and raise kids. No, I'm not going to let him get married. Uh Uh-uh. I'll tell you what I am going to do, though. I'm going to let him at least get the 16-year-old and get his camel license so he can drive a camel. Oh, you're such a good father. So tell me, what's his life going to be like? Is he going to be old? Is he going to be really wise? Well, he's not really going to ever even get old. Well, why? Well, uh, okay. you remember Mark that I told you about? Uh-huh. And when they're going to be down there thinking that I cheated them by giving them a good life or a bad life. And so I wanted them to show them that I don't expect any more out of myself than them. So I'm going to give my kid to a 15-year-old in a land where there's not a lot and he's not going to be very wealthy and he won't really even be known and he'll never get married and he'll never have children. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put him in a time with a bunch of terrible, horrible people. They're going to beat the living pulp out of him. They're going to beat him so much they're going to strip the skin off his back and you won't even recognize what I see here. You won't even recognize him there. I will totally have him destroyed by these people here. As a matter of fact, it will be so horrible that he will even say to me, Daddy, why did you turn your back on me? Well, why would you do that for your only son? Why would you put him through such pain and torture? Well, it's because I want Mark to be my masterpiece. And if I don't do this, Mark will never make it. Next scripture, the thought actually. If God stopped all things deemed bad or evil, there would never be Christ. 
So when we say, why doesn't God stop evil? Because if he did, who would have killed him? If God stopped everything bad from happening, then they would have never crucified an innocent man. So bad and evil, though it's terrible and nobody wants to be born into it, God used the very system of what was so unfair to bring us freedom to be able to come out of it because here's what Ephesians will go on to tell us. It gets really interesting. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe Christ died for all, we can believe that all have died to their old life. In other words, He doesn't promise you you won't have an old life. A life of regret, pain, and sorrow. But you don't have to live for that anymore. You can live for Christ. And that's not God's fault if you reject Him and want to keep living your old life. Blaming it, using it as an excuse, using it as a victim, or you can come out of it and live for Him. Here's the conclusion. It's often difficult to say goodbye to the sorrow you've grown accustomed to. After all, it is what it is. If you want to know what it means to be in Christ, you will never know what it means if you use the phrase, it is what it is. Because it is what it is is the antithesis of what it means to be in Christ. So if you use that, well, my marriage, it just is what it is. He's always been that way. It'll never change. It is what it is. I'm just telling you, it is what it is. You just should see my kids. I mean, my kids, I've just learned it is, is what it is. I'm, honey, I'm just trying to exist. I'm trying to stay half normal. It is what it is. I mean, after all, I've prayed if God wanted to fix it. He could. He didn't. It is what it is. I've just learned to adapt. I've learned to be okay with it. I mean, I'm good with it now. I'm totally good with it. I used to get really, really upset, but I've grown. I have matured because I just learned it is what it is. And so I've just, I'm, I'm used to it. And God just gives me peace in the middle of it is what it is. That is not an in Christ person, that's a religious person. An in Christ person means that there is the possibility it doesn't have to remain it is what it is. It might not change, but at least it's possible it could change. So what it means to be in Christ is it can be what he says it can be. So when I'm placed in this world, 50% chance here, 50 there, good, bad, and I feel like it's God's fault. He says, no, I came and just took all the bad. Now you've got this sorry life. You lived in a hell hole. You were the product of a bunch of poor choices, of a bunch of descendants from your past. But I want you to know, if you will come to me, the old life can be gone, and I will give you a brand spanking new life. Well, it just is what it is. Shut up, Mark. It can be what I've painted it to be. You can either be the painting or it is what it is. Boy, it is your choice. I would like to introduce you to a sweet friend of mine named Lauren. Lauren, would you come? I've asked her to give a testimony real quickly of how God brought a woman out of it is what it is into what it can be. This is Lauren. Good morning. Uh, I'm only here, standing here right now because of Jesus and what he brought me out of. Um, I was raised in the suburbs of Pittsburgh, and I had a mom and a dad and a sister and a dog and a cat. And (laughs) everything that should have been that good life that he talks about. And when I hit about 15 years old, I was diagnosed uh, with panic attacks 
uh, bipolar disorder and severe depression. And for some reason, I thought that I was never going to live past the age of 22, maybe 23. I just could never see past that. And that was, I guess, where I thought my life was going. I got really involved in witchcraft, um, the occult, stuff like that. I slit my wrists when I was 15, trying to kill myself. Um, I lost my virginity to rape. Um, everything that was precious in my life, uh, it, I felt like it had just been taken from me. And I went off to college, um, did what I thought I was supposed to do, um, felt very lost, and um, ended up getting addicted to crack cocaine and heroin. And I reached a point where I was self-medicating and I was also medicating with the drugs and I just, I didn't want to live anymore. Um, my addiction had taken me to where I was living on the streets homeless and prostituting. I was 22 years old, um, prostituting out on the streets. It wasn't going well either, uh, which made me feel like even more of a failure. Um, every time I'd get in someone's car, they'd be like, you have all your teeth, you're a cop, get out. And I was like, man, I can't even prostitute right. I mean, it just, my life was beyond frustrating. All my friends were off in college doing internships with Ralph Lauren. And my parents um, came and got me and dumped me at a homeless shelter when I was 22. And everyone who worked there was like, give your life to Jesus. And I was like, meh, 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 meh. Because I didn't want any of that. Um, I, I was raised Catholic, and I didn't even understand what they were talking about. But I didn't know what else to do. And so one day while I was smoking a cigarette, <laughs> I decided that I would pray about it because I tried everything else to get off of drugs. I tried everything to just be happy, and I couldn't figure out how everyone around me was doing it and how it just never worked out for me. And so I prayed a prayer. I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> but I prayed, and I said, Jesus, please, like, how come every time I try to get my beep and life together, it just beep and falls apart? I don't understand. Like, I'll give you one chance to do something with my life. One chance, and if I don't like it, I guess I'll kill myself, which I'd already tried to done and hadn't been successful at. But I was like, I'll really try it. And so I hung up the phone is what it felt like because I'd never really prayed before. And I walked inside and I said, because I'd heard a preacher uh, at the homeless shelter, talk about asking God for a new attitude. And I said, and I want a new attitude when I go in. And I walked inside, and I didn't feel any different. And about an hour passed, and I was in the back of a thrift store, and I don't know what had hit me. I didn't know what it was, but I had felt this sensation like, like hot chocolate chip cookies, laughing, crying, like it was... I, I was just like, I don't know, oh it's God. Like, it's God. I don't know, but it was God. And I got up, and I ran back to the homeless shelter to the crazy Jesus lady. And I was like, oh, my God, I prayed, it, and it worked. And she's like, now the devil's going to get you. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> and sure enough, I was locked in a pastor's office and had all kinds of horrible things happen over the next couple of days. But she came to me and she said, you know what? The battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I didn't know what was happening. I went and got saved probably six times. You don't even have to know and understand how God can take your twisted mess of a life and untwist it. But I'm telling you, he can and he wants to and he loves to. Oh, my God, does he love to take someone's messed up, twisted up, mangled up mess and undo it. And, and it's different every time, and it's beautiful every time he does it. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, Lauren, it is what it is. Might as well kill myself. But in a grocery store aisle, Jesus meets her, doesn't even know what to pray, not a religious bone in her body, but the real living Christ shows up and changes her into this, this masterpiece of God painting, and, and I'm sure that Heavenlies is looking at this masterpiece, and they're going, well, she's on cocaine and heroin, she's prostituting herself, and he's like, yeah, no, but I'm not done. Because what I've done with my son was enough for everybody in the room. That's what I want you to get in this thing. This in Christ isn't about you becoming more religious. It's not about you reading your Bible more or praying more. It's about understanding of what God saw in you before you ever became a mess. What he saw in you before you ever became an addict. What he saw in you before you ever wanted to give up and quit. And the reason he could see that is not because of the people you would be born to or the goodness of life. It's because of his own faithfulness and his own character and his own self and now he just simply says, would you trust me? Would you come to me, all you who are weary and, and heavy? And would you just cast it on me for my yoke is easy? And that's, that's what the world needs to hear today because we're in a generation that doesn't have an easy yoke. Man, they're heavy, they're burdened, they're hurting. And yet, in Christ means we're the light of the world. Would you stand with me? Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.